Welcome. You are listening to sermon audio from Day 3 Church in Granite Falls, North Carolina. We invite you to join us online or in person for one of our services. For more information about our church, please visit day3church.org. Day 3 Church, experience a new day in your life. So uh, even though we warned you last week, some of you might not have remembered, so you're probably off balance and everything like that. Uh, we'll have some of the really late people come in in a minute, and they'll think, why is he already preaching? You know, is the clock wrong at home or something? We told you last week we're going to do a different order of service. Reason being, um, and that's why I'm at this early, I'm going to do a short message today, uh, and some of you don't think I can do that probably, but I'm going to do a short message because uh, we want you to have a chance to have some things to say since we're at the Sunday before Thanksgiving. So maybe think about that right now. Uh, there's a little um, thing that looked like a leaf. Some of you might have already seen the, uh, uh, the stick tree that's out in the connection area. And a little thing looks like a leaf inside of your updates. So I uh, wanted you to kind of find that and be thinking about maybe something you need to be thankful for, especially if you know Christ as your Savior. And uh, write some things on that because we're going to give you the chance to share it and then you can hang it on the tree uh, later. But uh, anyway, if you're uh, here for the first time, uh, I'm Lynn Parsons. I'm the lead pastor here at Day 3 Church. Uh, we thank you for coming. I know we've got several people uh, visiting with us because we've got a, a special uh, young girl to baptize at the end of the service. And we're going to kind of throw a lot of uh, things uh, at you today. Uh, including the Lord's Supper uh, at the end, too. But we're doing a, a long series at Day 3 <clears throat> that we've called When in Rome, uh, and it's just a study going through the book of Romans. Uh, Romans is a very, very important book in the New Testament. Uh covers some major themes like sin, letting us know we're sinners, and salvation, how we can be saved uh, by faith in Jesus, plus nothing, minus nothing. And then it hits this third major, major theme called sanctification in Romans chapter 6, 7, and 8. That's what he's dealing with. Uh, to remind you kind of what sanctification means, because it's one of those churchy words that sometimes people might think, what in the world does that mean? It really means to be saved set apart. And what uh, happens is this. The moment a person receives Christ as their Savior, God takes them from where they were in their sin, and He sets them apart to Himself. And, and now you belong to Him. And, and, and doctrinally, that happens the instant that you're saved. But practically, there's also a part of sanctification where we need to be allowing the Holy Spirit to mold our lives, to make us more like Jesus as we live our lives. Uh, we, uh, last week I brought up some freedoms, uh, on the screen for you that you can find in Romans chapter 8 because that's where we are, uh, right now as we talk about sanctification. So let me bring these, uh, four freedoms back up for you to see, uh, because it's kind of an outline for the whole book. Last week we looked at this, freedom from judgment, no condemnation. Because verse 1 tells us there's therefore now, right now, no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. The word in, when you look at it in the original language in the Greek, means to be in Christ in a fixed position. So that means once you're in Jesus, you're always in Jesus. That's good news. Amen? That means you always belong to Him. And God will never, ever condemn you for your sins. And here's why. He condemned your sin in Jesus when Jesus died on the cross. So for a believer, if you're a child of God, there's no condemnation for your sin. We might face consequences for our sins or conviction for our sins, but never ever face condemnation. Second freedom that's talked about in Romans chapter 8 is the freedom 
from the flesh or the old nature, the way we used to live. As a Christian, we don't have to live like we used to. Instead, we now can live for God the Father. And that's what we're going to talk about uh, today. Uh, if you want to find your place in Romans chapter 8 and, and verse 12 through 17. There's also another freedom found in verse 18 through 30 uh, where we have this freedom uh, as believers of knowing there's this future glory that God promises us. And when you try to compare what God has promised for the believer in the future uh, with what we face today, I'm just telling you, there's no comparison. Amen? Uh, it's so great what God has in store uh, for, for those that know Him. And then Romans 8 closes out by talking about this freedom that we have as believers that's found in understanding that God loves us with an everlasting love. There's no separation. Nothing can separate us from the love of Christ. So that's the stuff we'll be talking about over the next couple of weeks. But today, we're going to focus upon that second freedom that we are set free from the flesh to live for God the Father. I don't have to be like I used to be. I, I, even though I still have my old nature and, and some of the old same desires will crop up, I don't have to give in to them because as a believer, the Holy Spirit of God lives in my life. And if you're a Christian, the Holy Spirit of God lives in your life. So you're not obligated to where you have to give in to the old life. Instead, really our obligation, as we'll talk a little bit more about in just a moment, our obligation ought to be to God because He's done everything for us that we cannot do ourselves in the flesh. No way we could save ourselves based upon our own efforts or, or our flesh. So as as we go through the message today, I'm just going to give you four simple things and cover them really quickly and everything, like I said, because I think God has a message maybe for you to share about Thanksgiving this morning. But uh, as we go through uh, these uh, these verses, verse 12 through 17, we're going to look at some reasons why we ought to be thankful. Some reasons why we ought to be thankful because we're not obligated to live like before. Instead, we can now live for the Father. So let's look at these reasons why real quickly and, and cover those. The first reason uh, why, can, can, uh, there you go, uh, we, we should be thankful because we do not have, and I've already mentioned this a moment ago, we do not have to live like we used to live. Now, I understand for some of you that might not be as good news or big news as it is for some. Because, you know, some were maybe brought up going to church and, you know, you had good parents and, and you tried to kind of, you know, live a good moral life and follow Jesus and everything like that all the way through high school, college and everything else. For some of you, you might not necessarily get as excited that you don't have to live like you used to. Some of us, on the other hand, pretty glad we don't have to live like we used to. Because some of us have a lot of junk that we've gone through, and a lot of things that we've faced, and a lot of temptation that we've given into, and a lot of poor choices that we've made in our lives. And, and we ought to be glad. That ought to be one reason for us to be thankful, if you're a Christian today, that you don't have to live like you used to live. Look at what Paul writes in verse 12 and, and 13. So then, brothers, we are debtors not to the flesh. Uh, let me just stop off and, and kind of talk about that as we go through. Think about that. Why, why should we be a debtor to the flesh? What did the flesh really ever do for you? The, the flesh did not save you. And, and, and as he talks here, he says to live according, uh, 
to the flesh, for if you live according to the flesh, you'll die. What he what he's saying there is this. Paul is saying, if you try to obey the law, because he's been dealing with that already in this section of Romans, if you try to think you can save yourself in the energy of the flesh by obeying the law, all that leads to is death, because you don't have the ability or the power to save yourself in the energy of the flesh. That's what he's talking about. The, the flesh did not save me. I don't have the ability to save myself through the energies of the flesh. So why do I need to be obligated to the flesh? Because to be honest with you, the flesh, even if I tried to obey the law, thinking that's going to help me out, just let me down all the time. And the flesh did not save me. Instead, the flesh ruined me. You know, the, the flesh brings ruin. It doesn't bring salvation. So we should not feel like we're obligated to the flesh because the flesh, to be honest with you, has not done anything really good for us. Amen? You understand that? On the other hand, though, because God has done everything for us, sending His Son, nailing His Son on a cross for our sins, so that through faith in Him, we can be forgiven and have everlasting life, and God's Spirit comes to live inside of us, we ought to be obligated to Jesus. We ought to be obligated to God. We ought to have this obligation or this duty to, to live for Him. We ought to live our lives like we now belong to Him. That's where our debt is. Our debt is to Jesus. Our debt is to God. Our debt is to the Holy Spirit in our lives, not to the flesh. Paul later on wrote this to Titus. He, uh, he said that we, instead of having an obligation to live to the flesh, he said we ought to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. That's the way we ought to live. Because that's where our dead is as Christians, to live for God, to live for Jesus, to live as the Holy Spirit guides us, not to live according to the flesh. First reason we ought to be thankful. I think that's a good reason because I've faced a lot of junk in my life. I don't know if you have, but I'm glad I don't have to live like I used to. Amen? Second reason why we ought to be thankful is this. Number two, <coughs> we should be thankful because as Christians, we have evidence that we are the children of God. Paul, Paul wrote these words, for all who are led, and the, the word led in the Greek in the tense means to be willingly led. It's not like we're, he's having to force feed it to us. We, we want the Holy Spirit to lead us. We're willing to let the Holy Spirit lead us. He, he said, we who are led, willingly led by the Spirit of God, are the sons of God. In other words, if, if you are allowing the Holy Spirit to lead you in your life, that's an additional evidence that you, in fact, are a child of God. Now, now you see, here's, here's what I'm trying to get to by, by saying that. I, I'm glad we can have biblical evidence. I can look in the Bible and see why I'm supposed to be a child of God and how I become a child of God. And that's great to have the, the biblical evidence or have the doctrinal evidence. But you know what also is great? It's also wonderful to have some practical evidence, some experiential evidence that you know you're a child of God because the Holy Spirit has led you in your life. The Holy Spirit has convicted you. The Holy Spirit has guided you. The Holy Spirit has been your comforter. And, and it's great to know doctrinally the Bible says I'm a child of God, but it's also wonderful to know it because you've got the past experience of the Holy Spirit leading you. So because of that, we, we ought to be thrill this morning if you know the holy spirit has guided you in your life 
See, believers not only have the Holy Spirit, we were told that in verse 9 last week, we also need to be led by the Holy Spirit. It's not just a deal, and I alluded to this last week some too, it's not just a deal of, of people, because I've heard, you know, churches and Christians, and kind of depending on their focus or denomination or doctrine sometimes, people get all wound up sometimes, well, you know, did you get the Holy Spirit, or, or do you have the Holy Spirit? Well, the Bible says if you don't have the Spirit, you're none of His, okay? We looked at that last week. If you don't have the Holy Spirit, you don't have the Spirit of Christ, you don't belong to Christ at all. So, you know, you, you better have the Holy Spirit in, in your life. But here's the deal. It's not just you having the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit having you. The Holy Spirit guiding you. The Holy Spirit leading you. And as He does that, you ought to be so thankful because it gives you additional evidence besides just what you've got in your head and what the Bible says. It gives you an experiential evidence that you really belong to God. And that's a great thing. Amen? To have experiences to where you understand without any doubt that you belong to him third reason why we ought to be thankful this morning as we go through these verses is this we should be thankful because we can call god daddy now hold on before you get mad at me and think he's being disrespectful to god you need to understand what the bible says (laughs) look at, at what paul writes in verse 15 through the first part of verse 17 You did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. In other words, when we become Christians, we we don't have to be afraid of God anymore. Because there's this tendency, because we know God is holy, 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 and we're sinful, 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 messed up, messed up, messed up, whatever you want to say. There's this tendency kind that we have in our flesh to think we kind of have to be standoffish from God. It's like we've got this fear of Him. But you see, the, the moment... You receive Christ as your Savior. Something amazing happens that we'll talk about in just a moment. One, you're birthed in the family of God. Two, you're adopted in the family of God. And we'll talk about that in just a second. But instead of being fearful, we can approach God like He's our daddy. Because look what else He says. But you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. Now, the reason I said a moment ago, don't think I'm being disrespectful when I say uh, daddy, talking about God, because the word Abba literally means papa or daddy, and it's a term of endearment. That we can call the God of all the universe daddy or papa. That's something to be thankful about, isn't it? Think about it physically for a moment. See, when, when a baby physically is born into this world, a baby's not talking to begin with. You, you, you understand that? Crying, screaming, you might not going to understand everything they're saying, but they're not talking. They're not saying daddy or mama. Then there's this competition that ensues over the next months with the mama getting in the face and the daddy getting in the face of the baby saying, say dada, say mama, because you're wanting to see who can, you know, who will get, the baby to say it first, you know? And by, by, by the end of it, I got a new, new parent over here grinning. You're already guilty of it, aren't you, man? Yeah, I, I saw that. Not brand new. He's been a parent before, but he's a new parent again, okay? And, and, and I wonder sometimes, you know, what goes on in a baby's mind. Like, why won't they get out of my face? Why are they doing this? You see, we're, we're, we're doing it because 
once we get to that point in that baby says daddy for the first time. Oh man, all these guys that are, that are daddy, that's a cool thing, isn't it, huh? Or you ladies hear that child say mama for the first time. Great thing, huh? Amen, mamas? You see, we have to wait for that to happen physically. But if you apply that spiritually, the moment we receive Christ as our Savior, we are born again, so we are new in Christ. We're newborns of Christ. But at the same time, we also receive the spirit of adoption. We're adopted in as adult children. In the instant we receive Christ as our Savior, God doesn't have to wait, 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 wait for us to get to a certain point. The instant we become Christians, we can look to God, Holy God, and say, Abba, Father, Daddy. And I think our Father's just as thrilled with hearing us say, Daddy, Abba, Father, as we are when we get our babies to the point that they say, Daddy. And you need to understand a little bit more about adoption to get the full impact here. Because you see, in our culture, adoption is kind of just a legal thing that happens. And it's not the same thing that was meant in that day and time. It's not just that somebody legally is now underneath your responsibility. It meant this in that day and time. It meant to place a minor or anyone, really, no matter what age they were. But it meant to place them as a full adult member of the family. And they've got full rights to the inheritance, full rights as an heir. The Bible tells us that we become heirs with Jesus Christ. Everything that belongs to Jesus is mine because I've received him as my Savior. If you know Christ is your Savior, everything that belongs to Jesus is yours. All of his inheritance belongs to us and him together. And be honest with you, Jesus can't actually get all of his inheritance. Have you ever thought about this? He can get all of his inheritance until we are there with him. You want to know why? We're part of his inheritance. We have to be there with him for him to fully get his inheritance. And in that moment, we also get everything that's his. Pretty neat, huh? That ought to be some reason for us to be thankful today because we can look at the holy God of all the universe and call him daddy. Paul wrote this in Galatians 4. So you're no longer a slave. You don't have to be fearful. But a son... And since you are a son, God has made you also an heir. What are we an heir of? God's kingdom. God's kingdom. I don't know what my kids are expecting to be heirs of, you know, when I'm dead and gone. I'm, I'm sorry, guys, I'm not storing a lot back for you. And then I'm, you know, I, I've already tickled with them, so, you know, kid with them. I used to say when I get old and retired, I'm going to buy a Corvette convertible and grow a long beard out and look like ZZ Top and, and spend my retirement like that. But now I've got where I like motorcycles. So, you know, uh, your inheritance is probably going to go for me and your mom to ride around on motorcycles wherever we want to go or something. But, 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 as Christians, thank God we've got an eternal inheritance that's guaranteed by the Holy Spirit of God. And if you want a reason to be thankful this Thanksgiving, you see Thanksgiving's not about the turkey, and it's not about the dressing, and it's not about the cranberry sauce, and it's not about the pumpkin pie or everything else that goes with it. Thanksgiving for a child of God ought to be this. We have an everlasting, eternal relationship with the God of all the universe. We can call him Daddy. Last reason why we ought to be thankful this morning. We ought to be thankful because we will be glorified with Christ. Very last part of verse 17. 
He says, provided we suffer with him. Now, now, that almost sounds like there's a question mark whether you're going to be glorified with him. So I'll explain that in a second. It says, provided we will suffer with him in order that we also that we may also be glorified with him. You see how that almost reads like a question mark, like if, all right, if you don't suffer with Jesus, you know, if someone doesn't beat you with the cat of nine tails and nail you to a cross or whatever, if you don't suffer somehow for Jesus, then you're not really going to be glorified with him. But remember what else Paul has already said. Amen? He said in Romans chapter 6, we've been crucified with Jesus. We have died with Jesus. So, so here's what you need to grab from that. Doctrinally speaking, every Christian has suffered with Jesus. You understand? When he suffered on the cross, we died with him and in him. He took our sins to the cross. We were crucified with Jesus on the cross. And through faith in Jesus, we are also raised from the dead in his resurrection. So in a doctrinal way, you need to understand something. You have suffered with Jesus, and because you suffered with and through Jesus when he died on the cross for you, when there's also coming a day when you will be glorified with Jesus too. No question mark on that. At the same time, there's a practical aspect to suffering. Whereby, we may have to suffer for Jesus. And the more you look at culture, the more you look at the world we live in, and things like that, if Jesus tarries is coming back, you know, for his church and everything like that, there could be some real ways that you might have to suffer. I'm talking about more than someone ostracizing you at work because you try and tell them about Jesus. You may have to make some decisions that could bring suffering into your life because you decide to stand for Jesus no matter what anyone else thinks. That, that could happen. It's not redemptive when it happens. In other words, you and I suffering for Jesus isn't redemptive. It's not like somehow it saves us suffering for Jesus. But God can use it in a redemptive way in the lives of other people when they see Christians stand for Jesus no matter what they're facing. And the lost world kind of goes, whoa, you know? Why would they do that? So in a doctrinal way, you have suffered with him. In a practical way, you may have to suffer with him. Jesus even told this to his disciples in John. Look what he said here in this next, next slide, please. Jesus said, remember the words I spoke to you. And that was his disciples then. We're his disciples now. That's what we're supposed to be. Remember the words I spoke to you. No servant is greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you also. So if we do stand for Him, if we are sold out for Him, there may indeed be times that we have to, to suffer. But just remember this, it will be worth it all. You want to know why? Because one day you'll be glorified with Him. You want a reason to celebrate Thanksgiving today? You want a reason this week to make Thanksgiving more about that meal that you sat down with family? Instead of making it just about that family, making it about an eternal heavenly family, that God is your daddy and you belong to Him and one day, because of faith in Jesus Christ, you will be glorified with Him. Pretty good reasons to be thankful. Amen. Now, here's the shocker. I'm done. That's my message today. Don't have a heart attack. You want to know why I'm done? Because I think you may have a message. 
that God wants you to share. John and the band's going to come out and do two more songs. I hope you'll listen to the Holy Spirit of God if you know Christ as your Savior. Then I'll be back and John's going to be out there with the microphone. Give you a chance to share your message today about why you're thankful. Thanks for listening to this sermon audio production from Day 3 Church. We pray that it has ministered to you. For more information about our location, service times, or other sermon podcasts, please visit us online at day3church.org. Day 3 Church, experience a new day in your life.